Welcome everyone to Deep Drinks Podcast, the deepest podcast on the internet. There is no eternal soul in the Hebrew Bible, none. When you died, your body would go to the grave. No heaven, no hell, no eternal bliss or infinite punishment for a finite crime. Both Christianity and Islam claim to have come from this religious tradition, yet both are convinced that when we die, our souls will either be rewarded or punished, sometimes for eternity. Thanks everyone for coming out. My guest today is Dr. Matthew Philip Monga, who is the Associate Professor of Near Eastern Languages and Literature at MF Norwegian School of Theology. Matthew's main research interests are in the languages and texts of the ancient Near East, including Akkadian, Hebrew, uh, Syriac, slash Aramaic, Ethiopic, and Arabic, and the intersection of these texts in these languages. Matthew is also the Program Director for MF's Bachelor uh, Degree in Theology, Religion, and Society. You may have seen Dr. Matthew Mongar as a panelist on the recent Slavery Panel, and you'll see him again because we're doing another Slavery Panel in Aftermath to make sure we really nail home some of the apologetics. So that said, I'd like to welcome my new friend, Dr. Matthew Mongar. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, David. Um, first of all, thank you so much for coming on. And I've already said that, but what are we drinking today? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's 9 a.m. here in Oslo, and I, um, I, I, well, I can't drink at work anyway, so we're, we're just going to go for a brand that, so, and there's a, actually a good backstory to using this too, because, you know, I'm, so we're going to do Coke, and, um, sweet, and so I, I remember actually as, as a youth, um, I, I did this youth with mission thing, it's like, it's, it's oh, why wham? YWAM, yeah, and yeah. and in, in YWAM, you know, it's it's this mission thing. You're like, I mean, it's 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 really about kids getting discipled or brought into the church is what it's about. But like, you do it in this guise of you're going to go out and save the world, and and one of the things that they use is this mm -hmm. idea that that they want that that Coke has done it. Coke has has reached the ends of the earth, and so we just need to be like Coke. Because, because you can be in any random village anywhere in the world and there will be a sign, a Coke sign, and you can walk in and buy glass bottles or cans of Coke. And so, like, let's follow the Coke model and just get out there. So I figure, you know. Wow, that's a great. Yeah, that's great. Is is uh, is the idea behind YWAM? I don't know too much about it. I have been to a few um, things, but um is, is the idea behind it like once we preach the gospel to all the world, then the end will come? Like, is it like we're trying to go evangelize, evangelize, evangelize? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 at least the narrative that I was given within it was kind of like this. We have to fulfill the, the Great Commission in order to bring Jesus back because that's what everybody wants. It's like the goal was the apocalypse, basically. Mm. So, um, Dr. Kip Davis says, "Wait, you don't drink at work." <laughs> that's, if, that's, uh, if the official the official line is that we don't drink at MF. Thank you. At MF, okay. Yeah, uh, so I actually, I actually went along with a youth pastor from our area to a YWAM 
to YWAM to speak. And I remember that the, I wasn't speaking, he was speaking, but I, I came along with him and I told him the story on the way there about how there's no toilet paper in the toilets because each of the missionary kids is taught to use, at least at this base, to have their own toilet paper and to only use a certain amount because that's what they have to get to use overseas. Wow. So the first youth pastor went there, no toilet paper, and he had to use his socks, right? I told this story <laughs> to the next youth pastor that I was in the uh, in the car with, and and he was like, oh, okay. And then he's like, oh, no, I, need, I actually need to go to the toilet. And he took his little notebook and ran up to the toilet. And if he didn't have that notebook, he'd have to use his socks as well. So I don't know what it was about this one YWAM camp that everyone needs to, like, suddenly go crap themselves. But, yeah, this is what happened. And uh, and I saved a man from having to use his socks. So Well, it's, um, it's just such a weird thing because one of the first things we had to learn when we moved to Africa was that there isn't toilet paper in the in the bathrooms. But but there's a, uh, there's a, a little like it's a little plastic pot like it's you have water and like so you're, you're you're supposed to use your hand and then you wash your hand afterward um so like you you use oh. water and your hand so and you yeah so you I kind mean, of give yourself like a give yourself like a little a, a bidet bath like a five percent of, of your body bath with yeah um, i mean so you yeah you would uh clean clean up after yourself and then you make sure you wash your hands really well and and um and and that's just the way it was i mean like most yeah so so i think like I think that YWAM base probably would have had outreach to places where you would, like, if you didn't carry toilet paper all around, you would be you would be stuck. I mean, that's, yeah. But I, but the I, better thing is to learn what locals do because they don't use toilet paper. They have they clean themselves with water after doing their business, and so it's like it's actually better to learn how to deal with the situation. <laughs> in the way that is most like i guess so, convenient like so by carrying around toilet paper you look like such a nerd like you would walk like, i mean you just like walk into a village like hey i've got my toilet paper i'm here to be it's like one of those um those like uh european like like the the, the bags that people bring to europe or whatever like like a little bum bag with like your your photo id and you're like what well, yeah it's like one of them but you got like a pouch with them um, toilet paper yeah, but as we, I, as we call it in american <laughs> english a fanny pack a fanny pack that's right yeah. um so um i'm kind of laughing at kind of the conversation but also like i started this conversation by saying the deepest podcast on the internet and we're now seven minutes in and we've talked exclusively <laughs> about <laughs> shitting and yeah, how to wipe your ass so, so <laughs> let's move on but that's it's amazing how much of a self-contradicting <laughs> person i i can be yeah, so good. my first actual question is um so the problem of the soul in the Old Testament was something that blew my mind. Like I, I was like, I, I, I couldn't comprehend the idea that you know that. Well, I grew up as a young Earth, um, young Earth creationist, so I believed. I guess I believed that. I guess I believed that there was four thousand years at least before Jesus existed mm. um, that we had. So. So like, and the earth 6,000 years old, obviously. So I'm guessing I believe that two thirds of the time that humanity has existed, there was no idea of heaven or hell. And that was mind boggling to me because I was also convinced that Jesus was coming back like any minute. So, so I was like, how can like for two thirds of the time, because, you know, the other argument as well was um, that you're always here was like, how, you know, What's the purpose if we? What's the purpose of life if you just die and that's it? This is what all the apologists say: Ken Ham, Ken Hoven. What's the point of life if you just die and that's it? 
who cares right and uh but it's like well hang on like god didn't feel to tell us for four thousand years that's that's interesting why why is that the case so my first question with that long preamble was how did you first come to look at this question mm. yeah so i i mean I, I think i have kind of a similar starting point as you as you brought up there like the i don't i don't know like that i would so I, I mean, I guess I, it's it's embarrassing to say, but I guess I was a young Earth creationist as well, like in my in my earlier years. Like I don't I don't like to think about it like that because I think like I was I, I like to think I I was smarter than that, but I don't think I don't think it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I wasn't like bought in, but that's yeah. Just what I mean, it's just like something that you get right. It's it's kind of like Adam and Eve, and then the flood and all these things, and you assume that they're that they're real, and and so like I mean, growing up, that was. That was the kind of stuff that went in. I read the Bible a lot, learned a lot about the Bible, was good at that kind of stuff, but um, was definitely um, was definitely more inquisitive, I guess, than than a lot of people more willing to delve into the to the um, yeah to the deeper stuff to the to the questions. And, and so like, I mean, so it was, you know, it's, it wasn't in vain that we talked about shit because I mean, I did, I did go to YWAM youth with a mission, um, because I was looking for adventure or whatever, but also because that was like a church sponsored thing. And then I could find a way mm. to, to do some fun stuff, but at the same time, um, to, uh, to keep it rooted in, you know, in the heart of God or whatever we say, um, mm. Uh, it, it makes me cringe just saying it. I felt I vomited a little, actually. I'm sorry. Um, but... there's, there's that thing with YWAM, there's that thing too where, just to circle back quickly, is the, like, you have to ask, I don't know if you, this was the case where you were, but you have to ask all your friends and family get, get essentially to sponsor you to, yeah. to be overseas. And yeah. I remember, like, so many times one of my friends who did YWAM, actually the first guest on this podcast, Colin, uh, he mentioned like, he was like, oh, my friend, I haven't heard him for, heard from him in 15 years. He wants to like grab a coffee. And then we, to find out only it was essentially like, hey, can you be one of my sponsors when I go overseas and have a great yeah. time? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, I mean, I did a lot of fundraising in my church, but the thing is like, yeah, so <laughs> I, I was just too good at the fundraising. So I got, I got so much money like that I, I more than covered what what i needed right but the money just kept coming in because people kept sending stuff and i'd send a report home and more money would show up and like the church had to give it to me because they had raised it with tax like tax benefits for the givers and all that and then it has to go to the thing they they raised it for and so like i kept getting my account filled up and uh you know like and there's all people that like haven't met their goals so i was like secretly paying for like everybody else's like fundraising goals to be filled up so that people can oh, go outreaches and stuff like that. So like I paid for like half our team, I think, to be able to go out like to Nicaragua. And uh, but I also like on the weekends, like, you know, some people were like eating you know, like macaroni in the kitchen, you know, and stuff like that. And I was out like having restaurant meals. <laughs> so, so your yeah. mission work was like pretty like you're like kicking it for some of yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, so it was just this weird thing, like because you're living like, you know, out of handouts and stuff like that. But at the same time, like. <laughs> You know, you, uh, you're eating better than like the people at home who are sending you the yeah, money. So like, it was, yeah, it yeah. Was, it was kind of, awesome. it it's weird looking back on it. But, but like that was, so I, I mean, I met this girl. I mean, I met my wife there. So that was like, it was a good thing. But she, she's Norwegian. And that's literally why I live in Norway now. Um, mm -hmm. But 
she was in in ministry school already in Norway. And so like she wasn't really interested in moving to the US. She had just wanted to take a, a break in um, in Hawaii. So uh, we pretty quickly found out that we wanted to be together. So I, I moved over to Norway. And the easiest way to get in was just to go to the school where she she was studying, which is a, a theological a theological institution. And um, and it's where I work now, actually. Um, and so like she was doing her, her ministry degree here. And and at that time, um, so I moved like, um, yeah, so I moved in 2002. So right after 9-11, um, we were doing the process of trying to get visas and stuff worked out. And so things were still pretty lax back then. And so like, the the institution was like sure he can he can he can come and study here but he'd need a he'd need a visa and the 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 you know the department of immigration was like well yeah if you give him a spot that's fine then we'll give him a visa but then he needs a language course and so they contacted the university of oslo and they're like yeah we'll give him a language course if you give him a, a spot at your school when you give him a visa and they're like oh wait but he has to have funding so we need a bank and so the bank was like uh yeah sure if you guys give him that and give him that and give him that then we'll give him a bank account and and like everybody got on a conference call like an old-fashioned like everybody had a phone wow. and they just all said so if you say yes we'll and we'll just go around the circle and everybody say yes and then we'll just approve his stuff and they did and so <laughs> i got all this approved and but then i had to study theology and uh and like and like european studying theology is different than going to bible college right it's, yeah like it's a full blown multi uh, multi disciplinary thing where you do well, yeah you do b biblical studies you do systematic theology you do practical theology you do church history like you do this kind of full blown thing and and even though I, this is a fairly conservative um, university or it was especially traditionally like still it's within the academic study of theology not a bible school thing mm. there's um there's this is something we should actually touch on because a lot of my uh my friends that i guess are still like are in, still they're in church i won't say still that's uh, but they're 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 at church uh they will often not know the difference between, I guess, theology and his and like church history or, yeah. or, or the historical yeah. method. Can you touch a little bit about like the difference between uh, theology and like because I because often I see and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Often I see is like theology is like a way that we try to make observations about uh, or, or try to explain characteristics of God. It's like it's already assuming the, the premise. You're not. You, you will never like find a theolo theological reason, I guess, not to believe in God. It'll just be reasons that we can fit things together. Where, where the parts that I've become more interested in recently is like, did the uh, the Exodus really happen? Like, is that a historical event? And like, if it wasn't a historical event, why are these stories written down? Are they taken from other, you know, uh, ideas and things like that? And we will be talking about that soon on on Patreon. Just a little wink, wink. Um, but anyway, could you like, could you um, tell us uh, a little bit about that, like the difference yeah. between theology and like history? Yeah, well, so I think the word theology gets used in like at least three different ways, probably a lot more. But like we we generally use it like in 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 three different ways, and one way is kind of what I was describing. Like it's the like theology is this. I guess it probably comes from the German tradition, but it's the European tradition, whatever. That theology is 
this kind of all-encompassing thing you do when you study Christianity. It is mm -hmm. that it's like you've got the all the different ways of thinking about God or trying to get to God or talk about God. And so you have to learn about the, the history of God is part of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like then you have both in biblical studies or in the church history, the way God is whatever. Then you also have systematic theology, which is more philosophical uh, thinking about how you make the ideas of God work together, whatever. And practical theology is how to do church, you know, how to do ministry, things like that. Um, so it's like this big idea that all of the things that are related to godness in the Christian tradition, you just call theology. And then you could mm -hmm. also then make a, a separate branch, which you would call like Muslim theology or Islamic theology or uh, yeah. you know, Hindu theology or Buddhist theology or whatever. Like you can ways that people do these things. Um, so that's like one way we use theology, but then the more like specific way that people use theology then is like the, the things where you're trying to talk about God within those things. So like, how do we yeah. think about God, talk about God? Um, and, and in that case, I do know atheist theologians, like you can be an atheist theologian where you, I mean, I, I, my, like in the German databases, I'm listed as a theologian, right? And so I would be an atheist theologian because I can discuss with you theological principles. Like we can talk about atonement and we can talk about whether or not it is a logical conclusion that by uh, but having a man that claims to be the son of God or God or whatever dies, whether that is then something that could uh, be on behalf of a good God or whatever. And, you know, then mm. you're talking about the ideas of theological doctrines, but you can reach very different conclusions. And so you can have a, you can be a theologian and work with theology and, and end up coming to the conclusion that the arguments for the God or for the doctrine aren't convincing. And then we, there's we, like a third way that we, we talk about theology, um, which is methodological. And, and then that's where, um, where we really get into the difference in the way people do stuff. And, and that's, I think, at the core of what we're going to talk about today, because like, if you are working um, theologically with, with texts, you're going to be trying to come to a conclusion that supports or at least gives you um, gives you evidence for the the doctrines or the 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 yeah the theologies that you that you want to have and they're mm -hmm. generally pre prescriptive in nature and so you you would say okay so is there a is there an immortal soul let's just begin there and you would say well certainly if we're going to end up with Jesus then there must be if there's going to be a heaven and a hell eternally, there must be an eternal soul. Therefore, we look at the Old Testament and we'll find the places where it's ambiguous and say, there it is. There's the evidence. Yeah. And then it will say that then you should use this information to believe in Jesus and do his thing. Like that's kind of a, a theological mm. method. Whereas a historical method um, would say, what are the texts saying in their original contexts? Yeah. And so then we would say, okay, there, there definitely can be a change in context and a change in theology over time where you can say, okay, uh, it seems like Jesus is, is um, more, up, or Paul at least seems more optimistic about the division between the body and the soul and the body and the spirit. And maybe there's some stuff there. Definitely in the early church, they're very keen on the eternal soul. It shows up like, 
so so we see there must be something. But as we look back on the Old Testament, like, well, there's there's less evidence for it. And it mm -hmm. and it, then we need to be asking, well, why would we assume it? How can we break down through the language barrier of ancient languages, ancient concepts? How can we study this? And then we can just accept the conclusions that we come to as as being the best answer we can give right now. And, mm. and within a historical method, then when new evidence comes to light, you can reevaluate it and you can then ask the question, what do we now know? Um, and so it's, it's a very methodological thing. The, something you said there really um, kind of rang true for me because when I was in ministry college, I did a year of ministry college, I got a certificate for nothing, nothing amazing. But the, uh, they would always say that you need to look at the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament. Yep. There is no looking at the Old Testament without looking through the, because otherwise they, they actually said um, it'll cause you issues and problems and everything. Right. Um, right. And that's, uh, and that's what I would call a theological method. Um, yeah. And so like what I, when, when I teach, when I teach um, students intro to the Bible, like that's one of the things that I like that I, the first day I, I go through is the difference between doing it theologically and doing it uh, historically. And, yeah. and so, and what I tell the students is that I will throw things at them if they mention Jesus, when we're talking about the old Testament, <laughs> um, that it's like, and, and uh, because, and, and then, and then like, and then we'll go through and talk about different methods and things like that. And then we get to this thing that I call reception history. And I'll say, okay, when we get there, you can talk about Jesus. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Like, but, but let's, let's look at it historically first. And then sure. Like I know that many of them are theologically oriented and they're Christians and they want to read it that way. And it's like, okay, fine, but let's start with, let's start with reading it historically. And then if you're going to use it through the lens of, of the new Testament, at least you know that you're looking at something that is changing shape because of the lens, Yeah, but you're not thinking that the lens is giving you a clearer view, but it's actually yeah. distorting the view. That's actually a good way of looking at it. it it's distorting the view rather than, yeah, it's like a, um, sex cellophane makes everything a different color, right? Yep. Um, yep. I mean, Paul yeah, said but, it. He said, "Now we we see as though uh, what foggy in the mirror, and uh, and then we'll see. And uh, uh, sometime we'll see clearly." Like uh, I don't. I'm not good at the New Testament. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, Paul has the that. Yeah, they. I've not. I'm not. I'm not either, and so I can't actually pinpoint where you're um, talking about. We should actually do one time. We should do. I don't know if you can ever drink on this podcast, but if you could ever drink on this podcast, we should do what Kip did when Kip came on and drink uh, straight straight alcohol, and we'll do a theological happy hour where it's just I just throw like a tone like questions about atonement and like hard problems in theology, and I, we just we just beef it out for an hour and a half. Anytime, <laughs> I will definitely. I, I will just we'll just have to do it at a different. Time of the day, time. not, not nine a.m. Yeah, I'm not going to drink. <laughs> so we'll, we yeah. have to find time that works for both <laughs> of us. Have to be, yeah, it'll have to be over the weekend. So, um, so how, so how did you first come across this problem? This, uh, yeah. this, this. So when I when I started studying here in Norway, because I, I mean, obviously, I ended up in Norway, and they um, first I had to do a year of of Norwegian studies so that I could go to the Norwegian School of Theology. <laughs> you know, it's kind of important, and. Uh, and one of the, so the first year is kind of this intro to all the theological disciplines. You do all this stuff, you have some Bible and some theology and stuff like that. And, uh, and then the second year you start on this, like 
Yeah, it's just the the system in Norway is kind of you do everything and then you do it like a little more specifically and then you get into even more details on the top. It's just it's a like when you study theology, you have like five, six years of theology. That's it. Mm. Um, and and so in the second year, we had a course that was that was on um, anthropology and the Bible. So like the the ideas of of man, what is what is man in the Bible? And and for that, then you had to pick. A topic to to write about and and basically um you get a list of the different words in hebrew or greek that are that are in you know that reflect different parts or different ideas of of man in in the bible and you just write about one and so the word that i went for is the hebrew word nefesh um which uh, which is you know, generally in modern bibles is the one that will be translated as soul and uh, and so by um, by picking that, I just thought I was just gonna kind of sail through because that was a word that's used like seven hundred times or something. I was like, there's plenty of stuff. And and for me, I think going into it, my thought was just like, and obviously, I'm I'm just gonna talk about where our soul cries out to God and things like that. And and I'll and I'll be. Yeah, I, I I don't think I even thought very much about it. I just figured it was a it was an easy thing, and then I started reading, and and the um, the first thing I read, you know, says the the idea of of an eternal soul in the Old Testament is highly problematic, and I'm like, what? Like what? What is that? Mm. What does that even mean? Like that it's highly problematic because I have an eternal soul, right? That's the I mean. I am Christian. I will live forever. That was the, uh, yeah. And so it was just this weird thing. And then when you start to work through the literature, um, it it becomes apparent that we, um, yeah, we've been reading a lot through the lens of the of the New Testament of, of Christian theology, really, even more than the New Testament. Because the New Testament's still a little iffy on the whole thing. But like the basic thing is that the consensus. Um, is that there's there's a very strong connection between the idea of the soul and the body in in mm -hmm. in the Hebrew Bible, uh, like the the body is the thing, um, and then we, as we, um, you know, I I'll go into more detail here in a minute, but like because mm -hmm. just kind of seeing that that when you start to look up all these verses where things are described like the connection of what happens to you when you're dead where does the what, what happens to your body and things and all this kind of stuff it's like actually the body is is where it at where it's at um and and then you kind of go and look and you say okay well but surely it's in the new testament and then you realize that in the new testament all that they really talk about is the resurrection of the body and this really big thing in the new testament is, is the resurrection of the body and then it made me think oh crap maybe it's maybe there is something there and so i start going into the details of this of what what the soul is and um and you find out that th this word doesn't mean soul like nefesh it's only soul if we define what a soul is in a certain way it's like if you is it like retrofitting it like retroactively fitting is that it's the word? retrofitting it by saying yeah. that what like so so when we think of a soul what we think of is some kind of completely separate entity that inhabits us for a bit 
Mm. And, and, and in that sense, you can find that um, there are some similar ideas in the Hebrew Bible that there is that, that there that you're not um, you're not just body, you're not just flesh. But mm. the question of whether that thing is pre-existent or post-existent is is completely different. Does it last? Does it does it exist before you, and will it last forever? And and then there are just so many clear texts in the Hebrew Bible that that say that death is the end. And and that's what then hit me hardest. I think was understanding that like there is not an eternal life, mm. but there is eternal death. It's even when you say that, it's like it's it's kind of the 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 um oh geez, I don't know. I'm getting a little emotional. It's kind of weird. But it's um even as you say that it's like that's kind of the battle cry about essentially like a, a big reason why I do this podcast because I think that ideas like this uh, need to be kind of explored by people. Um, but also like you know uh, of, of you know big ideas, deep deep ideas because I truly came to realize like well I, I truly came to be convinced I will say that this is probably our one and only life and that's it when we die and uh and to 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 you know don't sweat the small stuff live your best life think deeply eat delicious food drink wine but not too much you know like live you drink coca-cola right like to to really like get the most out of life and to be fascinated and amazed and um and at, at awe at what we find here in this existence um yeah but uh because yeah like the idea that a lot of people like kind of hearing this will be like, you know, it, it's, it's confrontational uh, to, to hear the idea that we might not exist forever, that we might not see our loved ones again and, and things like that. And then there's probably another group of people who are watching this and thinking and being, and feeling relieved. Oh, you know, I, I I'm glad like I, eternity of anything would be horrible. Um, yeah. Cause you, otherwise you, you, it wouldn't be you. Like it would be some, pseudo you that can enjoy the same thing over and over and over and over again like it yeah it, it, I'm, I'm glad that i've got my time and then you know i i i'm i i stay alive in the memories of our loved ones like I, so yeah. it's 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 a really this topic is is big and it's 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 bigger than what it looks like on surface um yeah. on the surface yeah and and i think you're exactly right about that that i mean for me it was a relief to realize like, oh, but if, if there's a, if it's just eternal rest or death or whatever yeah. we want to say, like then, then I have motivation to, to have a good life. Yeah. Whereas like the, the kind of Christianity I grew up with kind of said, you need to have a shit life. <laughs> So that you can have oh a good boy eternity, right and and it was so it was this kind of martyrdom um like complex this this suffering complex that that this brand this kind of christianity has that that really affected me and made me think like i shouldn't i shouldn't want too much you know so i i just i went and saw the the movie women talking uh the other day it's uh mm -hmm. it's this it's a movie that's that's just come out recently about um it's 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 kind of based on idea of a 
of a, of a true story, but it's not really a true story. So it's kind of based on loosely on things that could have happened or something, but, but it's mm -hmm. Mennonite women living in a Mennonite colony where, uh, where they're um, like sexually abused. And then they're trying to decide whether or not they'll leave the colony and, and try mm -hmm. to make it on their own. And, um, and, and, and there's just this one scene that, I mean, cause so, so much of it rings true to me as the dialogue in the Mennonite world that I grew up in, in this religious world that, um, that that kind of limits what you're allowed to think is is the way you act in the world, and and one of the things the scenes is where there's um, this this one one of the girls is saying, you know, I want I want this and I want that and I want that and and this and one of the older people says, I want the older lady says, well, want less, and and like that is kind of what I felt mm. like was the church's tone. The Mennonite church's tone is um, is like want less. Like if you yeah. start to think that you could have more, that you could be more, you could do more. Think less of yourself. Like don't don't think you're going to enjoy life. Yeah, uh, it's, it's and, like, and, that, um, and that limits you just so much, um, mm. especially growing up like that. Uh, and so to find out that <laughs> you you're just going to be asleep for eternity. It's like, yeah. Oh. It'll be so, very yeah, similar to yeah, how it was before you, you know, existed. It probably will be, be very similar to that um, for the 13. Yeah, I have no recollection years. of it. Yeah. Or, or uh, you know, you go to the same place that a flame goes when you blow out a candle, you know, like that. That's it's um, and, and, and let me tell you, like, let me tell the audience, I should say is people you need to go to um Derek Myth Vision's channel and check out your full story because like I I almost like I, this never happens like I'm not a, even though I've got emotional before but I almost teared up like hearing the story about what you what you guys went through it, it's it's incredible um go over to Myth Vision and check it out I'm sure a lot of you're from Myth Vision uh but but um there's there's some parts in that 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 I was wondering if you could give us like a bit of a bit of a like tell a little bit of your background because you went through a lot like you were in the mission field mm -hmm. <laughs> you know you really like if there's if there's someone who you know really felt like they had to like you know put in everything to get to not to be I guess rewarded in heaven but it's like it's like it's like treating life as like a doormat that we wipe our feet on yeah. but not not in a in a um in, in a way where you're trying to help other people but you're not but it's like it's not this life is so is nothing it's nothing in this, this life you know yeah yeah um i think that well i mean it's you know i think that's it's it's just so hard to to make to make it clear looking back like where where i was but but like we i i, I fully believed it and and i didn't go into the mission field leave for mali west africa you know a few hours down the road from timbuktu literally like to because because I hated myself or because I uh, just thought the only way that I can do anything is to do good works or something. Like I was a committed Christian and I believed that when Jesus said, sell everything, give it to the poor, follow me, that that's what I was doing. I, I really thought I was living out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like that was, you actually, that's, what, you, that's what I did. I, and we actually literally did it. Like we sold yeah, you our sold, you actually, Like we literally sold our stuff and, and we- So you sold your house, everything. Sold our house and literally sold our house, sold our car and uh and then and moved like to 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 africa and used our savings to survive there like i mean we were getting you know a, 
a, a very modest salary from the <laughs> from the mission, you know, to to live on. But it didn't cover everything, you know. And, and we had three kids, and we needed to take care of. And and it so we yeah we we did, and we helped people, and we had like yeah we had interactions with people that that obviously we were trying to help, and we um we we did it, and we truly believe that's was was what God wanted for us, and that we were doing that not to enrich ourselves, but because we were standing in the, in the, in the faith and doing, doing what we're supposed to. So I think like, it's, it's pretty easy for me to, to just kind of like say, oh God, I was so stupid. Or now I see now, like the religion had done this to me or whatever. But like I, when I was in it, I was fully in it. And there was like, looking back on, I can say like, yeah, I think I went to those extremes because I was really trying to, I was really trying to fulfill what was asked of me. And, and for me, there was just like, there was no way of thinking, let's, um, let's say we're fully committed and then not sell everything and follow Jesus. Like, it just seemed wow. like such a hypocritical thing to do for me um, because I had the opportunity, right? Because I had, I, because I was, I was able to do the thing they wanted. Like they wanted me to go and translate the Bible into this language. And I happened to know the Bible pretty well and Hebrew pretty well and, and know the language. And I was a linguist and I was a theologian. And it's like, I literally, I couldn't imagine somebody more qualified to do the job they wanted me to do. Yeah. And, and so it was like, yeah, of course that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's my thing. So I'll do it. Um, and so it was like, I interpreted all that as God having a plan for my whole life and and leading me through everything. And so I really went like all in. Um, and so for, for me, that was, um, that was something that led me to a place where, where it could go that wrong as, as it ended up being like, and this was one of those things that like, we so we when we were in Africa, obviously things went horribly, horribly wrong. Like I mean, we came to to Mali at the absolute worst possible time you could have come um, when when um, Lib the Libya war had had been going on for a little while, and what it meant was that the um, the place in North Africa where um, the the uh, yeah it's the it's the Al Qaeda and the in the in in West Africa had had been. Kind of housed and staying they were kind of forced out because of the war because then like uh, gaddafi wasn't protecting them anymore and there was all these arms that were now available and they had like apparently raided different uh, like uh, armories and stuff and but then moved into mali into northern mali where it's kind of a lawless state anyway and they just kind of kept coming further and further south and and that's where we lived like we lived in like the northernmost outpost that was supposed to be safe and and it was just uh, um, like a really, really stupid place to be with a small family. Uh, oh, yeah. Like it was like we, so we, and I mean, this is um, one of those things that we, like I look back on and think like, why, why didn't it ring any bells? Like, but like we, like we had the, the French foreign legion stationed in town. Right. And, and so there was this big base and they would be out would run into him occasionally and um like we saw him at the pool and stuff and they would they got to know me and um and like assumed that i was u.s military uh, or military intelligence or something and, and i kept saying i'm i'm a bible translator and they're like, mm -hmm. like okay like, <laughs> like and they're like you're wink wink 
kind of strange that you brought your family, you know, but okay, whatever. And like, and then they would talk to me as though I had like information and, uh, and they must've thought I was really, really, really good because I never gave them anything. <laughs> um, but, but, but like, but also like once I was out running, cause I would, I would run, um, I'm a runner and, and I would go out in the desert and run, which was like one of my favorite things, like to just like, you feel like, I mean, there's, there's there's this crazy feeling of being out in the desert, right, right in the in the evening um, when the sun's starting to go down, and uh, and you're just kind of out there. The sun is giant as it sets over the horizon, and you're <laughs> like, it, you're just like you you feel like you're a million miles away from where you grew up, and so it was like this kind of magical thing. Um, but like a couple times, I came across the the French military doing target practice or doing different things, and. Um, and so one time I came running up and turned around this corner and there was a, uh, there was a big, uh, like a Humvee with a, with a, with gunners on it and everything. And, and, uh, and the guy like looks at me, he's like, starts talking to me in French. I just stopped there and, and I was like, Oh, Hey guys, what's going on? <laughs> I'm just trying to like, <laughs> and they're like, like, Oh, just out running. Are you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just got to stay in shape, you know? And, uh, and then the, the guy's like, um, said something, you're a bit, a bit far from home, aren't you? And I was like, do you know where I live? And he's like, of course. And then like, it hit me like, oh yeah. Like we're one of like four Western families in this town. And the, like, the, of course the French Foreign Legion knows exactly where I'm going to be. Like, yeah. uh, like, yeah. Your children were in school and there was a terrorist attack on the school yeah well right? i mean it wasn't a, i wouldn't call it a terrorist attack but it was definitely oh a, sorry a, yeah I mean, because um, it was it was but it was a it was a, like a, a riot mob. or something right? yeah it was a mob yeah. a riot that was a student demonstration um or kind of a yeah young people's demonstration that that just um, mounted based on frustrations about working with the french and the and like the way french intervention in Mali has gone. There's a lot of animosity um, by the, uh, obviously because of colonialism and all that kind of things. And, and so like the French school in town was the obvious place they would end up um, like, kind of exerting their frustrations. And um, yeah, so it was, uh, it was pretty wild. Like the, the way the students went up and they, they circled, like they encircled the school and um, like, I, I wasn't allowed to go up and get the kids. I had to, I kind of stay behind because it was, um, it was too dangerous for us to go out there, but because this was like the, the, the school for the be better educated people in town, I guess, a lot of the generals in the military, like in the Malian military had their children there as well. And so like, as soon as this started happening, they locked down the school and called the military. And so they did, they came like the full on Malian military came and surrounded the school. And uh, I, and apparently there was some, yeah, some violence connected to it. But um, so the kids were 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 physically fine, but uh, emotionally, I think we're st <laughs> we're still waiting to see the worst of the damage from yeah. that, you know. And um, and that's and that's like kind of one of those things that that we that we've reflected a lot on afterward is both our our fear and our um, our experiences and the kids you know, fear and experiences and pain and stuff like that. And the way that everybody kept telling us, God protected you. Um, God protected the children. God protected yeah. you all from all damage. You, you weren't murdered. Like when our, when like there was, a, there was an attack 
in the town when we after, right after we left and our um so our director african director was was like in his home when there was this uh like mass like terrorist this was a full-on terrorist attack and like it was in his backyard like in the, in the hotel right behind his fence and so they had to like lay and cover uh for for a couple of days and it was like it was really bad um and uh and he you know like still like the, their whole narrative was like god protected us god protected everybody and and then when you realize how damaged we are emotionally from this kind of stuff and it's like oh my god like we were not protected like you're you're not protected emotionally you didn't you didn't get out of it okay unscathed emotionally and well, uh, and so that mental got, aspect is just so you, you got look people can go and talk and watch your um amazing interview on Derek's channel um because it's 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 and you really should because like I'm just like I I could sit here and just I'm just blown away by your story um you got asked to go back to the mission field like you're like hey I'm you know and and the church was kind of like well you're kind of perfect for the role like you know God will protect you and yep. and it's just it's incredible um yeah but, but you you but uh, oh it's an amazing story. Go, everyone, go check it out. But we will let's 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 just circle back around to um, the um, the topic at hand. But before we do that, I got a couple of things. One, skeptics and scoundrels said my brother did this twice. So he sold everything because he thought God was directing him to simplify and move to where yeah. he need he, uh, uh, the need yeah. was greater. Yeah. Both times he ended up back at the same location where he started having to rebuild all over again. It's it's I'm it's very it's, familiar. It's, yeah, it's um, it's crazy, and um, yeah, I just think about how many times, like the will of God, like the will of God was always a big thing for me. Like, am I following the will of God? And like, and I remember feeling really guilty going to film school because I was wondering, is it the will of like, is it the will of God? Like, you know, should I be in ministry? You know, um, so uh, you've got an amazing YouTube channel that's just blown up. The Bible was written backwards. You can go at Bible Monger and check it out. Links in the description your videos like i have so i'm on my other account at the moment but i have watched these videos at least most of them when i get time really good stuff really educational really awesome you also have a website um people can check out uh and you will be coming back on deep drinks in a um well it was like a week week away but we've got the second 10 days away we have a second episode of the slavery panel and this time we're going to be just dealing with apologetics it's going to be much lower key much less work for all of us um but uh it's going to be really good um it's just just responding to the apologetics getting through that document and and we've had a few people kind of uh uh kind of um make videos which have been um i guess good good comedy i guess um for yeah. for us in the group chat but um Yes, it's going to be a good episode. So if you are new here, um, this is a place where I have deep conversations with people over a drink of their choice. So make sure you subscribe if you like content like this because we have some more awesome stuff coming up. Um, so Dr. Matt, Dr. Matt, Dr. Matt, Dr. Matthew Monk. Yeah, Matt, How... you don't even call me doctor. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm whatever you want me to be, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, um, <laughs> well, I was gonna. 
I'll save it for when I'm in drink. Another episode when I'm in drinking. I had some inappropriate jokes there, but let's go with um. So you've got a some slides you want to show us that yeah, can help yeah. lead so through this problem. Let's walk through a little bit of the of the what. So what I mean when we talk about um, whether or not there is a there is a soul or what we want to do with it. So um, the 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 main thing is that when we when we do this kind of thing, like you. You have to remember that the Bible isn't a singular entity that was written at one time by one person, or and it's not. Um, so, and obviously, then it's not inspired by a singularity that always then um, gives you exactly the same meaning for the every, every word, and always the theology is is consistent. I mean, that's the. This is very. I think I, for for me, this is very obvious when you read the Bible because there's so many things that that just like you have to really work hard to make them make sense together. And so like what what my interest is then is seeing how different things come to light when we when we look at things in different ways. And so then we like what one of the things that we do when we look for this soul like so basically there's there's you would ask what concepts could be there that we would consider a soul. Uh, what is being translated as soul? And um basically there are there are only a couple of things that could be conceived as that in in Hebrew in the Hebrew Bible, and and one of them is what is traditionally um, translated as a spirit, or or something which is ruach in in Hebrew, which which really means like wind or um, yeah or breath or spirit, and and this is what is in like Genesis one uh, two where like the the spirit of God was over the waters and things like that. It's probably means more like the wind of God or the the moving air of God or something. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But so you would have this kind of spirit thing that 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 is in some texts, and then um, you could ask, well, is that what a soul is? And and then think, well, it seems that that is more like the that's more like spirit uh, than soul in, in a way. And I'm not trying to know the difference between the soul and the spirit, but you know, there's some something there. But then there's another term, which is the, the term nefesh, um, which is the term that is used in the creation of, of mankind. And so I think that's where we should kind of start to look at it. And mm -hmm. so this verse here from Genesis 2 um, is, is describing the creation of 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 man, so the first man. So the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, or the dust, the the, the clay of the dust of the clay, or whatever the soil of the earth, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the word that is used here is the word nefesh, which is the word for soul. So the man being clay after being breathed into, becomes a living soul, if we use that translation, it becomes a living soul, okay? And, and this, is, this is one of those important things because what we see is there are, basically there's two elements to, to the man here. It's the ground that he comes from and the breath of life that comes from God. And these two elements together make him into a living being. Now, mm -hmm. um, when you so this is the word in Hebrew, right? The, the it's nefesh, and we read right to left. So there's a the n and the and the p and the. Isn't shows. that isn't that little symbol on top of the s? Doesn't that mean something else? I heard it's, that. It's, it meant it's that. a that's a diacritic. Um, it's a it's a really important symbol in the in um, 
But doesn't that mean something about like slavery wasn't? In it definitely the means. Yeah. It definitely means there is no such thing as as God, um, because it's coming down. You see, so it's saying that Nefesh means that the soul goes down into now. Yeah. Please, whoever, if you ever anyone listening. We're just making fun of someone else. I apologize. We're making a joke about. It. Go watch the slavery panel. That's uh, yeah, well, yeah. And, and the next slavery panel, I will be doing a bit on a bit more on <laughs> okay. uh, on that. But anyway, so so what we have here is is a, a word that um, in in Genesis two is also has the the adjective living connected to it. So it's a living soul, a living nefesh, um, and the same. Uh, term is used about other creatures in genesis one so so God dogs said, go dogs go to heaven is what well, you're saying well see i would say the <laughs> the opposite we all go to yeah. hell um okay <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, we'll all be in the grave together we'll all be in the pit together which is which is you know i i would like my dog to follow me everywhere so I'm, I'm <laughs> it doesn't matter which way we go as long as we're there. Um, but but so the so when yeah and and so and but this so this living creature thing the living thing is a bodily thing and and it's and it's a it has to do with the fact that we are animate objects right yeah. so there is something there that that it has to do with the ability to move and to speak and to do and to be um something more than just a rock or a tree or or a, a bag of clay Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's when like, so you become a nefesh um, when you have the breath of life in you, some kind of life. Um, and and we see then if we look at it historically, that the word nefesh actually probably originally meant throat. So this is a, a pretty common development, I guess, that that body parts um, develop semantically to mean wider and wider things. So we're we're pretty um, we're pretty embodied in our languages often and so when we when we see the the development of the nefesh we have we have the throat there but then it would then be connected to breath right and so that makes sense because your throat like that's that's where your breath is and mm -hmm. and so there's this like um connection between what the the, the place in your body and then what how what we associate with it and and the verb that uh, comes from the same root. So Hebrew is this like very fun thing where these three consonants um, that we have are like they can be nouns, they can adjectives, verbs. Like there's the there they get modulated with with vowels and and prefixes and suffixes to to have a lot of uh, wider meanings connected to the same central semantic term. And so these same consonants, when it when it functions as a verb, it means to breathe. And so that's like very central to it. So a breathing thing, right, could be could be one definition that we would use of the nefesh. Um, and then by extension, then it means those who breathe, right? So the we have the creatures, and it's both human creatures and non-human creatures are are described as nefeshes in the in the Bible. And then in, in a further kind of um, I guess call it a further abstraction of the concept, then then it also can be used as the self, right? So it becomes your identity as a self is connected to this word, and so mm. we kind of moved from the from the concrete to the more extra uh, abstract, 
And and the word nefesh is actually also used in uh, in the Bible as a reflexive pronoun, um, not in a woke pronoun way, but in a in a in a. <laughs> I tried to make a joke; it didn't didn't work. <laughs> no, I... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> You're like just so everyone knows, um, Matt is he's he's super red pilled. He hates all that. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my, my, if my pronouns are nefish. Um, <laughs> But the, uh, so and what would it so what you would use it like if you if you say I I I myself saw him or something mm -hmm. like myself you would you could use nefesh to to express that and, and I will I, from now on yeah I nefesh my <laughs> my nefesh saw him um, I nefesh didn't okay we're we're headed down the slippery slope now um, <laughs> and then and it could also mean life right so a life or living and things like that. Um, but it also means appetite uh, in a number of verses, right? So, so it's like the the desires of your being, um, and so it's like there's all these kind of abstract things connected to it, um, and then uh, another way that it's looked at is also as the soul, so the identity, the personal identity that's there. Um, and our our friend uh, Dan McClellan has written a lot about this concept actually um, in his in his book. Um, uh, so that you could you could pop that up on the screen too. Uh, something that people might want to um, want to check out. But I'll, I'll ramble a little while you look for it. Um, yeah, because he so um, he has uh, basically discussed this exactly the thing that we're talking about. And I told him this too because I'm. Uh, like my biggest fear is that I'll say something wrong and then Dan will go on TikTok, 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 TikTok to vanquish, vanquish my nefesh to, to Hades or something. Like he's, uh, so he's there we go. If you go, if you go to his link tree, um, link tree, uh, link, oh my gosh, whatever this URL, I'll post it. Um, he's actually got the book for free. So you can buy it from Amazon or a bookstore, but but he has also made it available for free. It's called uh, Yahweh's Divine Images, A Cognitive Approach. Uh, I mean, this isn't this isn't just like a little, look at this thing. Look at this thing. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a full on academic book. It's a, it's, it's published, it's his PhD dissertation published. Um, it's just, and it's, it's a, and it's a really, it's a really good book and he builds up. So basically he's, he's talking about the divine and, and the way divine, the divine is conceived or way Yahweh is conceived as a divinity, but he kind of gets there by way of talking about what are the traits of, of humans and what traits then are assigned to the divine and how do these kind of, these things relate and and so one of the one of the things then is this question of you know what is um, what is the what what is the where is agency or where is identity located in in man and and that is described in a couple of different places in the in the Bible you have you know, heart is used a lot um, as as a as a place um, and then the nap well sorry. I'm, getting too handsy um <laughs> okay um and the, <laughs> i can see where your brain went and then i went there yeah, and then like, we both just decided not to say anything <laughs> we're on the same wavelength yeah that's good um but anyway the um so i'll bring up and, this and then, yeah so that and then you've got you've got this identity thing that's that's kind of seems to be the the idea is that it's the nefesh and mm -hmm. 
And so in in some texts, it does seem like the the nefesh can be associated with being away from the body, right? So it's it's like the, the term Dan uses and people use is like it's 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 partitive. It's it's something that can be extracted from the body um, in certain situations, and and this is kind of one of those things that is most difficult to. Um, to track in the Bible because like the Bible or the Hebrew Bible is not at all concerned with giving us doctrines of what will happen to people after death. There are a few places where we have death described and, and then you have to kind of be very careful in how you talk about these things, because in a lot of cases, we just don't know what's being envisioned, like what, what will happen. But if we look at a couple of examples of, of what's going on, um, we see like in Genesis 3, 19 already in the same story as creation, then this like kind of the, the, the other end of the, of the, of the reference is by sweat of your, by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the ground for out of it, you were taken, you were dust and to dust, you shall return. And, and this is one of the things that like, I mean, people read this at funerals still, like it's a pretty normal thing. Like, you know, from, from the earth you've come to the earth you will return and then like in the christian saying to say and from the earth you will rise again or something and um but like this bit is is really clear that um like there it doesn't say you will return to the dust and your spirit will live on with god forever and ever amen but it's like that's it like you're you're, you're dust right so there's no there's no dogma of something eternal happening here. So, you know, and that doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it's not in the text here. Um, mm -hmm. Then like we have something like Ecclesiastes chapter 12, where it says, and dust returns to the earth as it was, and the breath returns to God who gave it. So this is, I think, pretty clearly playing on the, the same verse that we just read from dust to dust and all that. But like, so it says, and the breath returns to God who gave it. Now this isn't the nefesh, this isn't the soul, but it's it's the breath. But what it seems like is that in death, it, the assumption is that you will your body returns into the earth, and and the breath just returns to God, and and I would say not in the sense of that your little breath re retains a an atomic thing outside of God and hangs out with Him. But it's just like when you breathe out and you breathe in, you've returned the breath into you. But it's, it's, it's like it's not the same. But it's like you you can't say, oh, I got that little molecule in your like. It's just it just continues, you know. Um, so I think like there's there there's some room for for this is one of the verses that people would say, oh look, um, your spirit returns to God. There you go. So mm. people are go to be with God. Um, yeah. So this is like looking back at it with the lens of um, yeah. of the of New Testament. Is this is, what translation is this, by the way? So I'm using the New Revised Standard Version okay. uh, for everything. Yeah. Um, and another one that I really like is Psalm 82, where it says, "You are God's children of the Most High, all of you." And this is like um, talking to the gods. Uh, and nevertheless, you shall die like mortals and fall like any prince. Um, and so this is kind of the, the the transition into talking about what is the difference between talking about the soul as being something that exists 
in the texts and talking about the soul as being something that's eternal and undying because those are two very different things. And, and, and again, I just like, I feel like every time I say something like that, I just have to remind everyone that I'm not saying that I'm talking about whether or not the soul exists. I'm talking about whether or not texts are identifying the soul as something. That yeah. Exists. It's a, there's a difference. Yeah. Cause I have, I have literally no, um, I would say I have no uh, cred in the world of identifying whether or not souls exist. And I don't think any of you do either. Like, I think that that's always going to be this thing. Like, okay, I feel, um, but uh, you go to a psychic and psychic will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well that's um, okay. Sure. We're going to get to a psychic here in a minute. Like this is, <laughs> this is perfect. Um, but so when we talk about this, like here, the, the idea is that we're contrasting the eternal nature of a God, the immortal nature of the gods with the mortal nature of humans. So humans die. And and this is something that that is is a constant Yanom history. Uh, sorry, my Norwegian just popped started popping out. Um, I'll try to rephrase that. So uh, this is a constant throughout history is that people died. And when they died, they weren't resurrected. And so yeah. like people's bodies disappeared. And so we get this concept in the Bible of that people's bodies return to the earth. Mm. Um and they they do like this is this isn't a this isn't an imagination that plays in like it's it's pretty pure and simple like you bury people in the dirt and you go dig them up 10 years later and they might have some bones left but their bodies are gone and mm -hmm. and then you wait long enough and the bones will be gone too and yeah it's just a fact of life as we say that death is 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 there and decay happens and and so we see like you know in the in the mummification practices of ancient Egypt and things like that that you would want to keep the body if you could like there there was also a longing to find out how can we maintain the body even after death uh, because the body is so central as the place where your other things are right and so when when you have when you have your body and your identity connected to the body then when you die, then you would need a place for, for something to go if it will continue. Otherwise, it ceases to exist. And, and so that's one of the things that um, that Dan talks about in his book is that we do have like some, some evidence of, of like monuments being set up to, to be the place where the soul can abide um, so that people remember it. And, and this is, is something that you actually said in the very beginning that I wanted to jump on, but I, I felt like we needed to get to the point uh, where we could do it. You said like, that when you die, you hope to live on in the memories of your, of your loved ones. And, and that's exactly what we're dealing with. Like as long as your soul is remembered, your personality, your you is remembered, then, then you do in a way live on. And so it's like if it's a tombstone or whatever, there that could be where your where your soul is, right? Um, and and so we um, we have this this idea that um, that that you live on forever, but really what it is is that you live on as long as the memory is there. And then what is it that mm. gets remembered? Well, the body is already dissolved, and so we must be thinking about something else. So we're thinking about your personality or your your life or your whatever, because it's not the thing that animates you because that's already blown away. So it's again, then you end up with this thing. So we can call it the soul is what you, what you can remember. Um, but that also doesn't mean that that thing 
is is distant or is in heaven or whatever. Um, mm. So we're going to, we'll keep going through a couple more here. Um, Psalm 104 says, when you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Um, again, this is like a super easy to understand description of what happens when people die. They stop breathing. Mm. So the, the breath force goes out, they return to dust. So again, like this is, doesn't say, and their soul goes to be with Jesus. You know, when their breath departs, they return to earth. Okay, so I, I feel like I'm just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Um, so then there, I see in the chat, um, Science Explains wants to wants to talk about this, and and uh, and so I, I what I what I really like about this comment is that you use the word soul. So the author of First Samuel oh. seems to think there was a soul, particularly in First Samuel twenty fifteen, where Samuel ascends from Sheol. So um, thank you for the comment. The the author of First Samuel doesn't use the word soul, um, and so this is a this is a, a pretty important thing. Um, so uh, so this is the story of King Saul, who um, realizes that things are going very very badly, and he needs to figure out what he's going to do. So he needs to consult Samuel the prophet, but Samuel's already dead. So what do you do? Well, you go find a medium, uh, a diviner that can get in touch with the dead. And, and so he heads to Endor, which is the place where this, uh, this person lives. It's not a witch, it's a medium or something. You might've heard the story is called the Witch of Endor or something like that. But anyway, um, so he, uh, Saul goes and, and he asks the woman to do this. And she says, no, I'm not allowed to. And then um, she, he convinces her to do this. And the woman says, whom shall I bring up for you? And he answers, bring up Samuel for me. And the woman saw Samuel. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, um, why have you deceived me? You are Saul. And the king said to her, have no fear. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a divine being coming up out of the ground. And he said to her, what is appearance? And as an old man is coming up, he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew it was Samuel. So... The thing about this text is that it it describes a body. Like what it doesn't say, and the soul of Samuel came out of the ground. There's mm -hmm. nowhere that the soul is mentioned here. What do you see? I see an old man. You, or she said, actually, I see a divine, a divinity. Like I mm -hmm. see a divinity, and it's an old man. Uh, he's wrapped in a robe. And so, like, what is described here is is seeing. Um, seeing seeing something that is unexpected and is is divine, right? And so it's not saying I see a soul or I'm co contacting his soul, but it's like this idea of the bodily resurrection, the bodily contact is down there in the in the grave in the pit, and and this is this is basically like the um, the. The idea is that that when you try to contact someone on the other side, their nefesh, their soul, whatever, would have to be housed somewhere. Like it would be like if it's not connected to a monument or something else, like where is it going to be? And it's going to it's like it must then still be there. Like it's it's there with the body at that point in this case. Like there's if if there is any soul, it's connected to this figure that is in his body down in the pit right so, so it's yeah 
so is it like so is it like the soul exists is is an interpretation of this that the soul exists is the nefesh exists but it's not this eternal thing that kind of it's not it's it's not it's not dualistic that is it is part of you it's a physical um or not physical but it's it's uh like once you destroy the body you've destroyed the soul like it's gone right 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 and and that it's it's the the basic idea i think is that in in many many of the texts that we looked at and and the the general the general kind of background concept is that the the, the body is is you mm -hmm. and and in you then there are different ways of conceptualizing your feelings or your different parts of you and and some of that then can be conceived as being outside of you at certain times like it's not like it, so so this idea of of what what makes up you is is primarily connected to the body and primarily disappears when your body disappears but as long as you're remembered then someone can think of you and can try and connect with you um, but that seems to be envisaged as being connecting with your body even after death interesting interesting so it's much more it's 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 much it's much more of an interesting concept really like it's it's, it's deeper than you kind of a plain reading Right. And, and so what, and, and like, just kind of one more time to circle back to Dan's book, what Dan sets up is this kind of way of showing that, that the major difference between divinity and, and humanity, one of the di major differences is that the, the divine always get remembered because they're worshiped. And that's like the, the whole point is that the divine are worshiped and remembered daily and through the rituals they set up a remembrance so that so that in the end like they are eternal and immortal because of the continued uh worship of them mm -hmm. right and so the moment that something ceases to be remembered it ceases to exist so Mm, interesting. I, I recently, we, we recently just had um, uh, very first interview, actually. Um, let me just quickly pull it up. Uh, Cult of the Dead, uh, Kyle Smith on. He wrote this yeah. book called Cult of the Dead. Um, did, have you seen this? Did you check this episode out? Or do you see oh, the... I, I started watching. I didn't finish it, but yeah. It, just incredible. The way he describes, because he, he essentially makes the argument that Christianity is a cult of the dead. Right. But not in the reference, not in in like a negative way. He talks about like agriculture being about the care of the land or a culture being about the things that we care about. And so it's like, so cult of the dead is the idea that Christianity is about the care and love and respect and um, of the, the the very special dead, their, their martyrs, the uh, saints, things like that. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's, uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good description of it. Um, I mean, I think, I think it's a fun thing to, to play with those kind of concepts of saying, <laughs> you know, was, was Christianity a cult of the dead? Is Christianity, uh, uh, you know, a pagan blood, uh, ritual, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. things like that. Like, I, you know, I, I question was, um, that I saw the other day was like, did, did God, um, did, did God rape? eve you know like that's the mm. and it's yeah, like it's a, very the christians have left the chat <laughs> yeah but it's like it's such a but it's such a it's such a good question 
and it's so surprising that that it surprises people to ask it actually because this is something they were asking in antiquity as well like there's a mm. i mean there's all these kind of things like how exactly did we get the divine into the next generation because mm. god breathed into uh god breathed into adam and then he took a rib and made eve okay like but then what about like where's the like is it just because adam had breath like how do we get you know and so there's all mm. these things that have people have been thinking about for years and years um the, and so there's, there's one other thing i want to throw in there before we like before we I, just gonna open up to craziness um but like, well, so I, I want to just mention the um the thing that there's a couple of places that that kind of illustrate this this phenomenon in the opposite way in the old okay. testament um because there are two places where where people um are just taken uh up to heaven or something um mm. and so that's enoch and and elijah that both like don't die but are taken mm. into heaven and the way it's described is is again bodily right so it's not like it's not like they're described as having um as a so it, within enoch's case it says like and he he walked with god and mm. and, and he was no more and and so like yeah. all of the other patriarchs are described as dying and and with enoch he um he gets to go be with god and this is something that people found very strange later in antiquity because they're saying well what did he do like what what does it mean he he just like did he not he didn't die like he and so it's again it's not saying that that oh enoch was um was parted from his body and gets to go hang out in his soul in heaven or something. No, no, it's a bodily thing, right? Yeah. Just like we later see with, with Jesus. It's not like you couldn't like write the, the New Testament and say, Jesus died, but his soul won against the devil or something. Like he's spiritually or, or, defeated, he, whatever. Like Even just Jesus heaven. bodily rose to heaven, right? He, he bodily rose to like, heaven. He, he yeah. got lifted up, man. I mean, yeah, that's super. According to the texts, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, something something I found really interesting, and and you, you suggested I read uh, chapter five of this book, which I, it was fantastic to read again. Um, I, I skimmed through it. Um, fantastic book by Bart Ehrman. He talks about, I think it's in this book, but he talks about essentially like the idea, and even in the idea of the New Testament, um, he, he he kind of puts forth the idea that there is no hell, even in the idea of the that Jesus didn't think that there was a hell in the New right. Testament. Um, and he also puts through put forth the idea that, um, and I, I don't think this is controversial at all, that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, there'll be a new Jerusalem, right? And right. my favorite way to think about that, and I never thought about this when I was a Christian, was you could drive your car there. Like I think of it like like it's like oh, it's yeah. like it's physical, as in like I could like, you know, we could get a barge over there and I could I could bring my car, I could bring the pets, you know, like it's yeah. it's 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 wild to think of it like that, where you never yeah. think of heaven in the New Testament as as that you never think like oh yeah i'll bring i'll bring well, my yeah. stuff and <laughs> like... it's and and that's so i mean I, I will get there eventually my plan is to get through through all different kinds of literature on my channel and talk about these kind of things but <laughs> one of the videos that i will do eventually is the is the prophetic stuff and especially isaiah is super fun to look at because isaiah has this this really interesting tradition where it kind of plays on like the the, the second part of isaiah um plays on two different themes and the first like so chapters 40 to 55 kind of play on the exodus theme and and uh, because obviously the context is we're 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 on our way back to jerusalem or we've come just come back to jerusalem or something like that and out of the babylonian exile and it's like 
God free us, take us straight through the desert. And we, you know, and this so it's playing on all these Exodus themes. But then the like the final 10 chapters in, in Isaiah are where we get this new Jerusalem concept. And and it makes such perfect sense that these are written when they've come back to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem sucks. Mm. It's been destroyed, it's been, it's, it's, it's a it's a shithole. Um, and and they're like, what do we do? It's in ruins. And they're like, the dream is this place is going to be awesome. It's get, like God will rebuild the new Jerusalem. And then it's like, it makes so much sense. Like, yeah, yeah. It, it's supposed to be a physical place that will be the home of God's people forever. Yeah. Like and, not and, in and, that, and, that all the people will live forever, but that the city will live forever. The nation will live forever. And like, it makes sense when you think of the original concept of messiah where messiah is not supposed to be how christians have envisioned the messiah it just it, it is meant to be like an earthly king that yeah. fought back the romans or whoever was against israel like fighting israel at the time and like took and made israel into a great and glorious nation like that's what the messiah is like yep. well i think it just means anointed one but that's how the, that's the messiah that, the that, concept, that we're yeah. expecting yeah yeah i mean i remember the first time i talked to um like a jewish scholar um, about this and and just kind of asked like but but you know what do we what do we, what do we do with the claims of messiah and, and he was just like but he didn't do anything <laughs> like the, it's like it's pretty it's really easy like there's literally one job for the messiah and 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 if you haven't you haven't brought about the kingdom like like literally the opposite yeah. happens within 30 years or 35 years of jesus death like the, yeah. the nation is gone. The kingdom is gone, and yeah. the temple is destroyed. And so it's, this is the opposite of of protecting, rebuilding, reestablishing. And so, yeah. like, and and again, it's it's the earthly thing. It's the like it's only when we really move into the later um, apostolic period and into the early church that that we see that I mean this this dualistic idea of the the. The, the body and the and the soul or whatever are two different things and that these are one is you know one is failable and one is eternal and all this kind of stuff that that we get this um projection of uh, of i guess of those ideas back on the earlier texts and mm. start saying like oh well we what we really need is um is uh, like this yeah this spiritual messiah or whatever and, and it's just like you 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 don't see that in the text like there's not a in the in the hebrew bible there's not a tradition that what we need is a spiritual messiah like what mm. what, what you need is a is a physical one yeah um okay so i've got some questions for you about this um and we're, we're almost at time but i'll i'll try and i'll try and slam through them we, we can um, we can ramble a bit more from from my perspective as well I'm, awesome Awesome. I'm, I'm the one that's been talking too much so no do you this is exactly what we want uh we actually and just before well if you got time actually i will mention this skeptics and scoundrel is in the chat he's a patron thank you so much for your support but i, I do have to shout out you, know, you mentioned before how you had you love you love like hard questions or like questions that are like kind of like you know did did god rape mary or whatever yeah. he, his channel just passed one of his videos just passed 100 thousand views with awesome. the best one of the best questions could god not kill children yeah it's, it's, so, it's, it's like, i love that because it's a really easy one 
Yeah, it's, a, it's really like easy answer. Yes, God could like like this, and this is this is why I'm an atheist. Like because <laughs> any, what if, any what if game you play, like if if you if you have to end up saying he could, but he he could avoid the, this horrible thing, but he does it anyway, and and that's always the answer. Could God stop this? Yes, he could, but he hates us. Like it's, well, it, it's good too because it gets around that it gets around that stupid like because you know how like you know there's that argument on apologetics it's like god is um god is infinitely powerful or whatever but it's like now they've changed it to he's maximally powerful it's like that maximally. it gets around that problem as well it's like because it's like well could i could envision a god maximally powerful that didn't have to drown babies in, yeah. in the great flood yeah. and then you know it's the other easy, what's the other apologetic you'll get those babies were um were filled with nephilim you know, so yeah. therefore kill them. Like, you know, yeah, exactly. Those, uh, but, yeah. So wow. I, I totally, I love that. I love that kind of thing. I'll, I'll check it out. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually, yeah. I've, I've, I think I'm, I'm not sure if I've watched the whole thing through, if I've even, but I keep seeing it and thinking like, ah, oh, I've been so busy, but I really, I've, I can't wait to, to watch it. And, um, and yeah, yeah he, he I'm says, going to be on his channel. The only, way, the only way around the problem of evil is to water down the God. And yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree. And I, 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 you know, occasionally I have students that, that come and ask me the hard questions because I do, and I do, I mean, <laughs> I do this kind of thing in class too. Like somebody will ask me something, I'll just like start rambling and we'll get totally off track. Um, but, but like they'll, um, like I had a couple of guys come to me a couple of years ago and they're like, so, and they give me that look and I'm like, all right, it's, this is going to be a good one. And they're like, how can God both be all powerful and all, all loving, like a uh, full of, you know, and I'm like, okay, what do you think? I'm like, what do you think? I'm like, yeah. what do you think? And, and they're like, um, well, it seems like it, um, you know, he would have to choose, to not be the one sometimes so that he could be the other or whatever. And I was like, or maybe he's not. And they're like, <gasps> and it was like this shocking moment when, when like an adult uh, person says, you know, so it says like, yeah, maybe you need to rethink that. Um, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's just like, uh, it's such a funny thing that we, we have these contradictory dogmas that, that if you if you don't think about them together it's fine yeah. but when you yeah. think about them together then you get a problem and and like that's yeah. that cognitive dissonance that is just like such a random thing like where like you know yeah like where do you go when you die like we we like christians have a doctrine of the resurrection of the of the body mm. right that's that's the doctrine like okay, not maybe not all Christians, but but that's generally the church's position. It's the resurrection of the body. So where do you go when yeah. you die? You go in your grave, and you wait, and you hope for that resurrection. Like that's that's the doctrine. But, but what people actually believe is that their you know their friends or uncles or whatever are are with Jesus. Yeah. And then Matthew they say, Craig. well, Jesus said it on the cross, and oh, what's this? According to Matthew Craig, thank you for the comment. According to the Pew, Pew Research, 60% of U.S. adults who believe in heaven believe people definitely such probably have perfectly healthy bodies. The idea that bodies linked um, to souls is quite common in yeah. XTY. Thank you. That's that's awesome. Um, I really, yeah, I appreciate those statistics because that's that's what I feel actually is the is the is the thing you when you talk to people like they're it's really hard for people to imagine what they are without their body mm. um but they really want to be able to be better 
than they are as well. And so like, the, yeah, that idea of the perfection of the body is a really funny thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I guess there's some, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, there's the, a lot of psychology there, I think. Um, this is one. Uh, so when I was reading this book, um, I, in this fantastic book, people should read it. There's um so the Audible version isn't available in Australian Audible. It's so annoying. So, same with his, his new book. I haven't found somebody with an Australian accent to read it yet. No, no. It's like it's like you can go to when you talk, when you go to Audible, like you can go to audible.com, but then yeah, there's yeah. an audible.com.au that we have to use if you've got an Australian. Yeah. And it's not there. Like it, it redirects you, you and it's like, an oh. APN? Do you, do you know about uh, VPNs? I, well, I'm thinking, yeah. Well, I have got a VPN, but then I have to use a different account. It's so annoying. I don't, I, I want, I got, anyway rant over but there is a there's a scripture deuteronomy 18 10 to 11 says let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughters in the fire who practices practices divination or sorcery interprets omens engages in witchcraft or cast out spells or who is a medium or spirit uh spiritist um who consults the dead yes yep and so this is what we see, that's what we see in first samuel right consulting the dead that's a medium consulting the dead. And, and then you ask, what, what is the dead that we have in the one description we have um, of this? That's First Samuel. And, 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 and it describes a body. And the, the medium is, is, is blown away by the body that she sees. And right. So, right? So it's like, yes, you can consult the dead. But the, that's because the dead that are remembered continue to exist. But they, they're connected to their bodies. Um, and... And so I think that's like, um, it, so it, it doesn't mean it's eternal. That's the point. Like the, it, what it means yeah. is that, is that as long as you remember someone, you can think about their personality, you can think about their soul, you can think about them. And, and they still seem to be in most cases connected to that body, but that might also be connected to a monument or something that could be established to remember that person, to cause the memory of their soul to live on. Um, yeah. So, so that's kind of your reading of it, right? Is that, uh, I mean, this is gets, gets tricky because we're going into theology, but is that a theological reading of, is that, sorry, is that a consensus theological understanding of it? Or do most theologians kind of take the apologist route and kind of read in the New Testament into the Old Testament? So, so actually, I mean, so up until very, very recently, the consensus view has been that there's just, that the Hebrews couldn't conceive of a separate soul from the body. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so, I mean, like, so when I, when I was preparing for this, like I was, I, you know, I, I had a chat with Dan because Dan knows more about this than, than I do, Dan McLellan. And, and he, um, you know, made it very clear that the consensus is actually, you know, the consensus would be, would, would sound even better for me to talk about, but that's not probably the best reading of the text. So like the earlier right. consensus is just like, is, is probably more um, influenced by the particularist view of, of the Bible to say that the Bible is different than than the surrounding cultures and things like that, um, and say that they they just they just didn't really see the 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 soul as something different, um, and so that was that's been the scholarly consensus view. But of course, the the conservative consensus view is that your soul exists forever, mm -hmm. and so then they would point to um, like Jeremiah, I knew you when you were in the womb or before you were in the womb. Um, and say, see, that proves that God knows everyone before they exist. And so therefore it's the pre-existence of the soul. Um, so there's that kind of, um, 
yeah, there, so there's always going to be verses that are read and interpreted that that get pointed in this direction that that the soul is is eternal. Um, people mm -hmm. will, will look at it, but I think that at the very most, what, what the texts, what we can have the text say is that the the soul is um, that the soul is occasionally described as being separatable from the body, partable from the body, mm. but uh, it's not it's not conceived of as as being eternal because that's like that's literally the whole point is that man is mortal like we, yeah. we, we like you cease to exist at some point and in in all ways there's um is there's uh so there's the difference between like the soul and like the eternal soul and that's like the 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 line in the sand i guess there's like you're not saying that there is no soul in the the in the uh, old testament but you're saying there's no like eternal soul is what the reading is right so, yeah, one, one more time so the, there's like a there's a difference between i guess like the soul or um what's that word you use uh namesh nefesh uh, yeah nefesh um and there's a difference between that and like the eternal soul. Like there's a different, like there's, you're not saying that there's no soul or there's no Nimesh, um, but you're saying that. Well, what I'm saying is that there, there, there definitely is like that people, people are trying to describe where their personality, where their, where their, um, where their mojo is, whatever we want to call it. Mm, and, yeah. and so like, where, where is the seat of your personality? Where is, where are you? when mm. you're you where and and that is something that does exist like because we we have consciousness like we think of it as i guess as our brain or whatever doing all this stuff and gives us the ideas and gives us these things and 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 then we conceive of things like in our heart is our emotions um or our gut is where we have the intuition um like we 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 use the body to talk about different ways different places um that that we are and and so we have this, um, but we, we we tend to think now um, that that there is this thing that could be could float out of us and still exist completely separate from our body. Like I mean, mm. then like you know, it's a, it's a it's a good like movie image of it. Like you know, the yeah yeah you kind of go out. But then how is that like? What what is that? Is that a mirror mm. of the body? Is it a, you know, is it, or is it a shadow of the body? Is it a, you know, like a shade or whatever? Is it, what, what is that thing? Mm. Um, and, and so like the, the texts we see seem to point very clearly that, that in a lot of cases, um, once the body's gone, then, then there just isn't anything left for you to, to be yeah uh, but so that like that then then in that case your soul dies with you um yeah but but then when things are described as being able to exist after death it doesn't mean that 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 thing exists forever um but it, it it's a memory of you and therefore your personality your mojo whatever lives on um but it only lives on in that it is remembered yeah okay there, there, there's something that there, there's the area that we didn't like we didn't get a chance to fully kind of discuss but there's the the maybe we could just quickly touch on the the concept of sheol because yeah. you hear a lot about in the old testament sheol and to me when i was a christian i always imagined that as like a 
like a waiting place, like a like kind of like hell, but like there's not like kind of like um kind of like hell but not 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 no punishment yet. It's just kind of like you're you're in this dark area just waiting yeah. for the actual yeah. yeah. So yeah. can you can you touch on what Sheol is historically? Yeah, I mean Sheol so it it, it means the the pit or the grave. Um and and I think that's basically where we what what it is like it's it's mm. just the place where you are it's it's physically it's it's your grave and it's where you go and then your body disappears in that thing and so then you're just there and mm. it's it's just a, a place of of darkness and there's nothing happening but what the the christian projection that i even hear you you giving it is that it's waiting for the final judgment or something where where yeah, you end yeah. up either going into the real hell or something else and that's like that's adding to the to what we have cuz Sheol is is like the very very few mentions we have of it are 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 basically just it's it's just like of course you you, you exist there in some way because you're not in the realm of not being there but like it's just a it's you're just you're just gone like that and that's yeah. where you are like and and that's that's your eternity is is just and that's why i say like i don't think i don't think the hebrew bible has any concept of of, of eternal life but there probably is the concept of eternal death mm. it's like it's just once you're dead you're dead and yeah, and i think that's what what is in the in the um idea in the new testament as well that this kind of the the um the idea of, of hell or whatever comes actually out of this Gehenna uh, idea of it's it's a the garbage pit, you know. It's like it's a pit yeah. where you garbage and burned it or whatever, and 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 then you're just there. It's not. It's, it's like a place in Jerusalem, right? Like yeah, outside yeah, of the wall. It's, it's like a beautiful Jerusalem. park now. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like it's just it's just what kind of pit are you in? It's like yeah, it's a trash pit, but it's. It's not that like there's a fiery brand sticking you every 12 mm. seconds for all of eternity or whatever. Yeah. It's not like it's, South Park, the movie. It's not like, like South Park. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So let's jump on to um, some last Q&A um, questions. And um, if anyone's got any um, questions, um, you can uh, send them through. But I, I will end quoting, uh, before we jump into that, I will end quoting part of this book, which which really helped um me kind of understand uh heaven and hell a little bit better not that i needed to deconstruct hell too much but it says um bart ehrman who everyone knows bart ehrman he's a amazing professor of new testament he says there is no place of eternal punishment in any passage of the entire old testament in fact and this comes to a surprise to many people nowhere in the hebrew bible is there any discussion at all of heaven or hell as places of reward or punishment for those who have died Probably most people who have read the Bible think of Sheol as a Jewish kind of Hades uh, or Hades, a shadowy place where people go and all are treated the same, a banal and uninteresting netherworld where nothing really happens um, and people are, in effect, bored for all eternity, which that does sound like hell to me. But yeah. in fact, in most passages of the Bible where Sheol is mentioned, in many uh it may well simply be an alternative technical term for the place where an individual is buried. That is their grave or a pit. And it's like, it just wraps up everything you were just saying. It's like, it's, it's, uh, and, and yeah, this isn't, this isn't weird. This isn't wacky scholarship. This is, this is. No, no, this what, is, this is consensus standard stuff that, yeah. that it's, 
And, and so, and again, like this, but this is one of those things that like, that, that the reason why a lot of Christian theology uses this thing of you have to read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament is precisely because then you can say things like, well, it's not really there, but, it, but, but the full revelation didn't come until Jesus showed up. Yeah. You know, and then well, like, well, then they run into a problem that, that even then you, it's still like people are still reading later theology into Jesus and Paul. But it's um, it's just like that's the that's the way that that most people think is is like, and that's what's taught in seminaries too. Is is like the idea that um, what do you how do you interpret the New Testament? Yeah, you find out what the Old Testament background is, and then you see what was made more perfect in the New Testament. Well, that's the that's the thing. Is like I remember talking to my uh, my head lecturer at ministry college, and I and and they said that like we won't know about the end times prophecies until after they've occurred is what his perspective was so he thought that like revelations was we would know what revelations truly meant after it's occurred like we could look back and go ah that's what it meant but it's but it's it's hard he said to look to, to what relation saying and trying to fit it to what's actually yeah. happening now yeah um yeah which which like is it i would say is literally proof that it's not a prophecy <laughs> Because well, if you yeah. wait till after the fact and then say, this is the way I'm going to fit this together to make sense of it. Like, I got, that's, it's just such a great, like, that's literally why my channel is called The Bible Was Written Backwards. Yeah. Because, because that is like, that's that kind of screwed up way of thinking in my, in my mind, screwed up uh, anyway, that, that you, when you look at um, things and say, oh, look, this foretell, this foretells the whatever. Um, yeah, that's, that's my hoe flying around there. <laughs> the, um, but it's the, all great stuff. The, um, like that, what, what happens is that we, we get this Christian, um, propaganda almost that, that's, that's is in the new Testament that says, look, that text meant this and we hmm. didn't know it until we figured it out now. Like yeah. it's that negotiation with the old stuff. It's it's looking backward. It's not saying that like it like we like we know that it meant something else before it meant what it says in the New Testament. But the yeah. but the interpretation within Christianity is that oh it meant it meant it all along. Yeah. And and the, the whole point is that no, it it's not all it's not like written in a vacuum and they didn't know about it. And then then they write their story and then they're like, holy crap. Jesus, like it's it's literally I, like the that like Matthew's sitting there and and, and like right, reading Matthew's gospel is the most obvious example because he he like lays it out. He's like he writes a story and said this was done to fulfill what was written, and like <laughs> and and all you need to do is just take this is done and put I wrote this to 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 convince you of what was written. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's and the same thing with what you're saying before. Like if you take the gospels one and you go okay that's what it says and then you go to the next one but if you read the gospel side by side all of a sudden the little contradictions start to pop out like who was joseph's granddad who was you know when did jesus die on the cross like um yeah so i, I have a few pregnant. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly um i have a few um quick questions uh yeah. but someone asked before um who's been asking amazing questions um zeb it's nice to, nice to see here i'm sorry you have insomnia uh but i'm also glad because you're asking fantastic questions zeb asked 
What are Dr. Bonker's favorite metal bands? Metal bands. You know, I'm, I, I'm, do, you get the ref, I'm, do you know what the reference is there? Because Kip and I spent yeah, 50 yeah, minutes yeah, talking about I, metal I bands. I apologize. And this is this. So, this I'm going to have to say is like the most embarrassing thing about my personality that I'm now going to have to admit publicly is that is that I'm, I'm a country music fan. Um, <laughs> and I know this is as is, bad is, is, as it gets in some cultures. <laughs> no, that's, um, so, so that's like, amazing. I mean, I'm, I've never really been into to metal. Um, I had a punk rock period in my in my youth. Um, what, how how punk rock? Like Dead Kennedy is punk, or like yeah, yeah, like Dead Kennedy's. But but I was also I was a good Christian kid, so I did a lot of like. I, so I think I I felt like what I could play around people was like the 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 punked versions of the classics like me first in the gimme gimme's that did all these uh they did like covers of classic oh. rock songs in uh like yeah so uh, uh um we i think i think that same head lecturer he was a youth pastor and he wrote um you know rage against the machine killing yes. in the name of yeah. he, he he made it like serving in the name of da -da. Done, oh, yeah. serving in the name of yeah. oh geez so I, even, I mean it was it was a goof it wasn't we knew it was a goof like he wasn't yeah. thinking like this is serious like um yeah. so we uh <laughs> we played like we we even punked up some songs for for worship sometimes for the contemporary service and so you know <laughs> be thou my vision you know <laughs> so good so yeah, good I hate, I hate my life so. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that's amazing yeah. um matthew uh, craig's yeah oh sorry uh no 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 go on let's move uh on. matthew craig said do you think jesus such paul's understanding such teachings of the soul is different from what you have presented mm, yeah so what i think is that um so i don't know much about jesus um so i think that i think that the teachings that are presented in the new testament let's call it like that um I think that there is there is a there is a subtle change from from the time of the of the Hebrew Bible into the time of of Jesus and Paul. Definitely, Paul um, has has more uh, a more dualistic view of of the body, spirit, soul, whatever we want to call it. Um, but at the same time, like it's very clear that we're talking about the resurrection of the body, and and so I think that. Um, I think that, so, I mean, it helps that I grew up in the Mennonite church because, because they're like, everything is like, Jesus, let's just take Jesus literally. Like, let's, like, let's not, let's, 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 let's turn the other cheek. Like, let's literally be non, non-violent pacifists because they said, pray for those who persecute you. Okay. Then we will pray for them. Like, literally, like, what do you do if somebody believes you? Pray for them. Like, what, you know, and so this kind of way of, of and not pray that God will attack them or hurt them, like pray. No, no, no. You shouldn't. Be yeah, that. yeah. You should be praying, praying that they will be be well. You know, and yeah. and you know, following things, taking taking the Sermon on the Mount literally. You know, is kind of one of those values within the Mennonite tradition, and and that is really, 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 really hard, right? But it means that you interpret things as the kingdom of having being here and now, mm. and and then what that kind of does is that you can think about things as being more literal like so when it says that there will be a resurrection of the body then you're like okay then my body will be resurrected like okay no big deal whereas yeah. when when like if you if you're used to taking things allegorically or whatever then you think yeah nah, it's not going to be the body it's going to be something else um yeah and so um 
I do think that the reason there is a doctrine of the resurrection of the body has to do with the fact that the New Testament is teaching that the um, that there still is something of intrinsic value in the connection between whatever else there is and the body. Mm. But yeah. but I do think it's more nuanced and definitely I mean by this time Greek philosophy has has pervaded um, things and so we we they, they, there's a lot more knowledge of the existence of things outside outside of the well, body and and if we look at like the the pro prologue to the Gospel of John thinking about like the logos or or Jesus or whatever is preexistent um, it it seems like at least not all souls are there with him at that time like I mean mm -hmm. it's, so it's not like the the eternal existence of the soul backwards is certainly not a thing um, but forwards. I don't know. It's a little harder to say. The uh, Zeb has said, uh, is Christianity's obsession with the afterlife a way of uh, uh, usurping the Greco-Roman idea of an afterlife, same as usurping pagan ritual dates? Uh, yeah. I mean, I would I would put it slightly differently. I would just say it's a reception of them. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I think usurping gives this idea that it's, uh, uh, you know, some in some way a bad thing um mm. but i just think it's just uh this is this is what is literally the the human way of doing anything is that you pick up on the culture and traditions that you're aware of and you integrate them in in the things that you do or say or think or write or whatever and so mm. it's uh it's just a natural thing that that because christianity comes out of the greco-roman world that it's going to be taking the hebrew traditions and then reinterpreting them in light of the new context Okay. Um, so uh, I want to ask, I've got a couple last questions and we will wrap up, but one of the, the major ones is I wanted to kind of get a, get a, um, an aftermath from you for the interview you did with Derek. So for those who don't know your interview with Derek was kind of, you wouldn't say it's like a coming out thing or like, but like a lot of oh, it was my first, kind public, of, first time publicly saying it. Yeah. It was. I've, yeah. I mean, I've been. I've been pretty critical in some of my videos I've done on different things where I haven't hidden my um, my atheist tendencies or something. But I've never told the story and said like straight up that I'm mm. that I'm no longer a believer or whatever. So yeah, it was. It was a pretty much a coming out party. I don't know. So, and it's and it has been a party. Like it's blown up. Yeah. Like it's gotten yeah. a lot of views. And um, yeah. so can you can you have you had much of a response to that? I'm I'm curious to have your uh have you had friends or family or, or people reach out to you and say good things, bad things, anything in between? All of it. Um, I've had a, I mean, I had a, I've had a ton of responses. Um, it's been, it's been pretty overwhelming actually the past couple of weeks, just, uh, just kind of sorting um, out all the different voices. Uh, it's, it's been um, a lot of really good stuff. Like a lot of, um, a lo I mean, I've, several several colleagues several people that that i'm i'm close to that i've never really talked to this about that um you know reached out immediately and were really supportive and really kind and um you know made me very aware that i that i'm 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 safe you know and things like that and so that's that's a good feeling and family as well that have been um definitely been been uh, most of the family anyway there's a couple of examples that uh, that don't really like it and um and that's you know that's always hard to be told like that you're you're making bad decisions or whatever but then i'm like yeah it's mm. bad decisions exactly like because i you know 
your faith mm. is is a decision, right? That's uh, it's just a fun yeah, thing. like you can choose yeah. what you believe. But like, yeah. I, I the weird thing for me is just the 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 sheer number of people that feel the need to comment or to write to me and tell me like where I messed up, like mm. like it's like they watch my video, and so this is like, I mean, the, when I'm talking about my history, like I've been thinking actively about myself as a, as a non-believer for five years, probably. And I've been like through the past five years before that was really struggling to figure out what kind of identity I was going to have. Um, after I had realized that I couldn't be that kind of Christian anymore or whatever. And so I've, and, and then before that, you know, was fully devoted reading, but I read a ton of stuff I've studied, studied and studied and studied. And so, but people like write to me as though I'm, I'm basically a, a 16 year old who who doesn't know anything you know like saying oh well you should you should read this book by william lane craig um mm. then or you should read gary habermas he, he proves the resurrection um things like that and and i'm like do you think i haven't read that like like you should mm. read nt right like yeah dude that nt right is one of the reasons why i'm not a christian anymore because I, I got so i got introduced to a concept and then i saw how poorly it was argued like it's 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 been a part of my journey, like doing these things. Like I have worked through it and, and yeah, but it's, like it's not stuck on one little thing that I say, and then they're like, have to get in and, and attack it. Mm. It's um, I just went to, went to the video now it's got 126,000 views, uh, which is wild. That's, that's big for, for even Derek's channel. Um, yeah, that's not, but, um, but, and I, I mean, people need to, you need to go watch this, this, um, Bible scholar and missionary, Dr. Matthew Monger leaves Christianity on Derek, um, Mifishin. um, I'll, I'll post it. I'll post it here, but the, yeah. like, it's interesting that you say that because I, I said to you before we were talking before, and I said that it's, it, it's almost like people sometimes have to justify their doubts to you. It's like they, they get a doubt, like you bring up something, they get a doubt and then they want to like they find a way to get over the cognitive dissonance in their head and then they want to tell you about it. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, it must be tough because you probably had a lot of people reaching out to you. Yeah. And, and it's, and I mean, and that's like, in, in a way I, I totally understand it. Like that, that's what people think, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a big surprise to be confronted with it in that, like in that scale that people, um, like and uh, people feel the need to just tell me all their like why why they think or how they think I should have fixed this problem or whatever and I'm just like you know like that's um that's on you like that's mm -hmm. it, I I don't like I I'm not there at I'm not at that place where I'm going like man I hope somebody can recommend a book so that I'll I'll fix my faith, you know, like yeah. or that they, they, that they'll tell me you should you should think about God in this way because that's gonna give you back the faith you need. Like, no, and like it's I never once question. It's it's interesting because I never once go like, hmm, maybe I've got a wrong perspective. Like, I'm not saying all your friends who yeah. or family yeah. post this, but yeah, it's 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 very typical. I uh, I um I had an experience where. We were moving houses. We, we built this house we're in now, but we, we were renting at the time when we had a big garage sale. And I had a bunch of books out that I was selling. And one of them was a book that I'd never read um, that I was, um, that was like a Christian book. It's called Living Water. And I was going to, um, and I was selling it. It was just, it was there for sale. And this lady asked me, oh, you know, why, you know, oh, this book, I love this book. Have you, have you, you know, what do you think of it? And I said, oh, I haven't read it. And she said, um, and I said, it's not 
you know, not really something I'm really interested in. She goes, oh, why not? And then she goes, you know, what church do you go? Oh, I don't go to church anymore. And, oh, and she started asking me questions about my um, faith. And I said, oh, you know, I've started questioning things. Why? And, you know, oh, well, I just, I, I came to um, think that the best way to, uh, you know, you wish to have good reasons to believe the things we have, not just faith and whatever. Got to the end of the conversation and I'm like, they're like, like people are trying to buy stuff from me. And I'm like talking to this lady who's like, I'm kind of, you know, doing stuff. And she asks me to help her bring some stuff to the car. And I'm helping her bring like the stuff she bought to the car. And she, I think she had bought in the book and then she'd given it. And she's like, I bought this for you. So she's giving me back the book or, or she, I'm not sure if she, but she, she, she did something. She was like, don't sell this book. You need to go read this book and was crying and telling me that, that I needed to read the book and that God was going to, you know, um, save me and, and all this stuff if I read the book. And I was like, I'm like, lady, like this is, wildly inappropriate like inappropriate um well i didn't say that but i was just like i was kind of like trying to just get her out of there but it was it was it's weird how it's you know and um dark matter does um has this video dark matter i've got the numbers but he has this video where it's like when someone rejects god like people the, the same areas of the brain when you under an mri light up when someone talks about self or they talk about god that's why god tends to have the same beliefs right. about gay people politicians everything right. as you do Right. So when someone actually says to you, like says that they reject God, it's 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 very personal. It can be very personal. The idea is to people because they're it's it's almost like they're saying they reject you. It feels the same as them rejecting you, but they're being usually the person's being polite and kind. And it, it, and I I kind of like that idea because it it explains why people get so heated and angry and, and upset when someone says I don't believe or I'm not convinced anymore or I'm an atheist. Like it's just. Ooh, that's 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 crazy um yeah, it makes a lot of sense mm. yeah okay um so two more two last questions yep. and these are fun ones i ask these for a lot of people and i'm very interested to hear, with someone with your expertise in languages super interested to hear what you um uh, what you're going to say so first one what is the most plausibly true religion that you don't believe in <laughs> the most plausibly true religion that you don't believe in uh science you think that you, uh, religion's a science oh science is a religion sure. do you think i mean okay sure Wait, I think you don't believe in science well sure i do but i don't i mean i oh that's a good oh, like scientism so, so yeah i mean so like i i guess that's i i just wanted to say science because it just it sounds like shocking <laughs> but, but i so i do believe i do believe in science in a certain way but i don't believe that most of the knowledge that i have now will prove to be perfectly 100 percent objectively true or anything like that so i i think like i think that we that our current state that we have moved to in our society is this idea that um that if you have enough expertise, you you can get to objective truths uh, about things, and then that they will then solve your problems. And and so I think in, in that way, it is a religious thing that we have we have a way of trusting blindly what what happens. And then you have this movement against it, the anti-religious movement, where people say, "No, I'll do it. I have to figure it out on my own." Um, so I'll do yeah. my own research, which means they they probably go here on YouTube and 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 listen to somebody <laughs> or or write or they read something, or whatever, yeah. and then they they decide that they're you know gonna you know do whatever um, based on that that they do their own research, and and like and. And in the one way, like you can never become that expert by just reading a couple papers or watching a couple YouTube videos. So you can never really do that, but you convince yourself that you can do that. And so then they set themselves up beside the 
you know, the the god or the 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 priest or whatever and say no i'm just as much an expert as you and so you have this kind of religious battle even going on between the pseudoscience and the real science or whatever but but like what we do know is that um that facts change because yeah. we discover new things and so like yeah. wherever where we are right now is just like a stage on that journey to discovering yeah. more and more things and and i think that's um that's like the that that's just the way it is like i mean like so oh, okay. any, at any point in time any religion is also changing and and morphing and and everything and like we might say that you know you have the same dogmas as the church well like baptists didn't exist in the first century i'm sorry like they they might claim that they were baptist but like <laughs> that no. believe me that wasn't the way first century christians were thinking oh, and so like yeah so i i just think like uh but but that was just that's just a fun way of answering the question since i don't yeah. like i actually I, I wouldn't i mean i wouldn't put any credence on <laughs> on anything so it's it's so you're kind of saying that like that like the, the your religious belief would be science but as in like science is objective and everything we know now is fact um right. and like that that kind of uh pop science idea yeah. yeah the way it's used where yeah and you don't and but then in reality you don't actually subscribe to that you think that that facts kind of grow as we gain more knowledge right um, and, and so one of the things that's super super exciting is is research that's done on on the sociological construction of of science and the way like we can think that like like so this is like bruno latour and uh, and like the uh, it's called like SST studies and stuff, but it's it's super exciting um, because they can that you can actually see that even in a laboratory that is supposed to be entirely objective, doing like physics or medicine or things like that, like like what happens is that results are are sorted and interpreted even before they are brought to the table. Like, why mm. are we doing this this experiment? Why aren't we doing another experiment? What are the experiments we don't even know about? What is this group of people doing? What are the what are the structures between the interactions between them that are leading to the discovery of this knowledge? What kind of um, you know all these things that interact that that shape what the knowledge is and how it's produced have a massive impact on what we're doing. And so mm -hmm. we will come to a point where we ask different questions and we do things in a different way that will lead to different results and different things. Um, mm -hmm. like, and that doesn't mean that I think nothing is real or anything like that. Like I'm not a, <laughs> a, I'm a complete relativist, but, but I do think that we, 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 we have this idea that, that science gives us answers and that those answers then are, are solid. And, and I think that like we, yeah, we're kind of stuck with the fact that, um, we, we can only know what we know now, but probably what we know now will prove to not be the, the whole of it. Interesting. I, I like to think of like the idea that like science facts kind of like evolve, not necessarily like kind of grow, not necessarily like change. But but I I, I um maybe I'm part of that religion. But like I I definitely what I always say is science is the best tool that we have to investigate the natural world. And I always put it back on the other person. What what's a better tool? What's a better tool than the scientific method that we have to like? Because like it's like uh what's that other quote? It's like um democracy is the worst form of government besides all the others. It's like, it's yeah. the best we've got. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh, it's and, the I, best and I totally agree with that. I'm, I'm a hundred percent a fan of the scientific method. Um, yeah. and I think that the, the way that, um, science is used in, in popular culture and in, in the world then is something different than the, the method in and of itself. 
And so like, and I, and I could say it too, like, I think that the practice of religion can be, can be quite beneficial for some people. Um, so I'm yeah. not like a radical anti-religionist either. Like I, I would say like where, where people feel they gain community and gain, let's call it um, peaceful tendencies or, or feel that they, that they feel like connected to a larger something that's good for them or whatever. Like I'm, 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 I see the value and, and I know that like also there's research that says like the the feeling that someone is praying for you is also has the placebo effect of 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 mm. kind of increasing your chances of feeling better about things and yeah like it it it's fine like it doesn't that doesn't bother me but it's uh, it's the it's like we we just need to differentiate between the the methods and the and the actual realities that people are using them for mm. yeah so one last question but before we do that can you just quickly tell us what your next video is on your YouTube channel, which people should go subscribe to right now? Yep. So uh, my next one is going to be the Garden of Eden. Um, we're going to look at images of gardens, the gardens of the gods, and the tree of life in uh, in pre-biblical times, and look at what might be kind of lurking in the background for the story of the Garden of Eden. Oh, that's awesome. I'm not sure and if you walking, saw my walking and talking snakes. That's uh... <laughs> that's cool. I'm not sure if you saw my cringe preach compilation with uh, Derek and um, Neil, but well, we both preached. Me and Neil both preached about the Garden of Eden. So if you need any information, go check that out because uh, I we did. Were... I was I was at the gym. Um, <laughs> when you guys were doing that, and I was I was on the treadmill for like like 90 minutes or something watching you guys and you guys just kept going and going so i had to just keep going and going and uh, but like i was laughing out loud occasionally and people were just looking at me because i'm like running you know and like first yeah. uh, not laughing it was uh it's so yeah. funny you look like a crazy person um so uh and you've got your website of course people can check that out as well you'll be doing some more stuff over there and I just a little side note, thanks to all the new members. I am seeing some new members pop up. I don't have the list in front of me, but thank you for joining this YouTube channel. I really appreciate it. And uh, we also have a Patreon. And this week for the 12 patrons, and you're one of them. You're one of the 12, the initial, uh, uh, oh my gosh, where is it? You're one of the initial 12 disciples of Deep Drinks. So we're doing, we'll be doing a, um, a live Q&A, an exclusive Q&A just for the patrons this week with a um, guest who I, I'm not, not going to announce yet, um, but uh, it'll be, it's going to be really cool. And then I'll be turning those into videos later on. So if you want to join the Patreon, now's a good time if you can afford to. Um, thank you so much, everyone. So the last question that we have um, is, and this is, this, is, this is a good one. Uh, for you, I, I, I'm not tuning my own horn. If you could choose an afterlife, and it would it would become true, both good and bad for everyone, what would you choose? And so, an afterlife from a, a religion. So, because you, I thought maybe because you know Akkadian and all these like, yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, God, like it, it just depends on how you. Uh, Hi, I, 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 like you. I think I'm just so scared of getting bored of the same thing every day. So I'm not so, going to let you give me like a milk toast, like easy answer. You got to, you got to choose a real world religion with real a world wacky. Religion. So my, <laughs> yeah. so like my, so I'll say, I say my interpretation of a, of the Buddhist uh, afterlife would would probably be it that you just in a way become 
one with the universe again and your you kind of wink out of existence is 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 definitely like that that would be where i would want to be um i don't know if you've seen the the show the um the good place yeah uh, and and so i got it's spoiler alert anyone that um spoiler. Hasn't seen it, a spoiler 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 coming <laughs> um for me like just the way that show ends is is like the final season is it, mm. like it really spoke to me um yeah. because you get to this like this heaven and realize it's full of people that hate it because yeah. it's the same thing again and again and like you can have anything you want you can do anything you want but it's like after a few billion years like you're <laughs> even after a few hundred years you kind of like yeah it's just like even i mean like i feel like after a few days of doing the same thing i'm tired of it you know yeah. and so like and that is like you can say whatever like maybe your soul changes or something in the afterlife but but for me it's just like the the image of just um i think the way it was it's said is something like you know it's just like the like water running back into the sea and and it just kind of you know, just mm -hmm. kind of dissipate into and and that for me is like that that's the that's that kind of buddhist thought that you're yeah you just be, you just become I do and, like Buddhism sometimes. Like that, and so for that me, reason. that is a, that like, and, and that for me is, I think the reason I would then like that kind of total annihilation or, or dissipation or whatever feeling is, is just the, um, the fact that it then turns the focus back to this life. Um, mm. Because that was for me, the greatest freedom in, in, deciding or, or kind of coming to the conclusion that I don't have an eternal soul that's going to live on in punishment or glory or whatever is I don't have to be worried about it. Like mm -hmm. there's no, there's nothing on me to do anything other than make the most of, of this world. And I'm also responsible for it. Like there's, mm -hmm. it just, it's for me, it's such a freedom to, mm -hmm. to think that, that after this, um, we, um, you know, we don't know what's out there, but we will mm. slide into it as everyone else has. But what we do know is how we are right now. And why not then make the most of this? That's actually, yeah, that's actually very in line with how, what I feel is, um, I got a bonus question. I just thought of, um, uh so a lot of people will uh, have you gotten any messages saying you just wanted to sin yet have you gotten oh yeah, yeah 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 and they and because i had mentioned whiskey drinking whiskey with kip davis on it then it was like obviously drinking and that's oh what really told me. yeah yeah you just wanted to drink. oh awesome so well, unfortunately not, not unfortunately let me ref i almost said something stupid i'm good at like saying these things at the end of interviews i say but like i've never like i've never i've never i haven't indulged in a whole lot of these sins that people would uh would say like i haven't <laughs> been to the orgies and stuff that all these other atheists apparently get to. yeah um, but but uh but i uh, know but i because i because i mentioned drinking whiskey then i um then they assumed <laughs> that 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 I, I left god so that i could drink um, whiskey yeah. The, so well, well that will you kind of answer the question but this question that i just thought of is why did i'm going to write this down as a, as a question for deep drinks from now on yeah. but um so what was the sin you left christianity for what was yeah. the main sin it was a drinking apparently it was apparently i think well see so in my mind it was atheism right because i grew up thinking <laughs> atheism was a sin um oh okay but, it's but, the worst yeah, thing you could be worst thing you could be but yeah i guess i must it must have been um it must have been 
and to do all this drinking that I do, which is why I chose <laughs> to drink poke with you here. You know? <laughs> oh, geez. Isn't it amazing? Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Matt, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. It's been really fun. Um, we're, we're going to have to do a theological happy hour with you one time um, or another, how you want it again. Guys, subscribe awesome. to the channel. Make sure you subscribe to um, at Bible Manga on uh, YouTube as well. We'll see Matt when he comes back for the slavery panel, which will be a hoot. It'll be a lot funner, I think, than last time. Um, well, maybe not a lot, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be a rest I hope, fest. We'll, um, well, I hope there will be less tears. It will be more, yeah. uh, except for the apologists that are watching who will. will yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, thanks, guys, for coming out. I really appreciate it.